Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I can tell y'all had more sleep than the 930 crowd. All right, stand up. I want to welcome all all of you watching online and those of you watching on my Facebook Live page. So if you want to watch it two places while you're sitting there, I'll think you're taking notes, but you're really watching me on Facebook Live. We're trying something brand new, all right? And so don't get too close where you see the imperfections. You don't even have to get close to see them. All right, hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm a happy camper this morning. I woke up and decided to be happy. How many of you know that you don't wake up every day feeling like Cinderella where the birds are flying in and some days you just have to say there ain't no birds and it's cold out there. I am not a vampire. I like summer hot weather. So for all of you who like this weather, enjoy it for a moment because we're not. Anyway, I decided to be happy in the face of cold and all of those things. How many of you know that it's a choice every day to wake up and go, hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, you know what? The devil will come and say, you hypocrite. I know what you're thinking right now. Can I tell you something? The devil does not know what you're thinking. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know. So when he tells you he knows what you're thinking and that you're a hypocrite for saying, this is all that day, the day that I was looking for, and I'm really glad about it, he doesn't know if that's true or not. And God says, well, I'm glad you think that way because I put that thought in there, and I'm glad you declared it. Some of y'all need to get up in the morning and talk to yourself. And you know what? I found out recently it's okay to answer yourself. I do it all the time. I live alone. I'm single. Who do you talk to? I am the best conversationalist I've ever been a part of. No, I do. I get up in the morning, and some of y'all would call it arrogant. I just call it talking myself into being something that I ain't yet. But I ain't going to get there if I talk down to myself. So I talk up to myself. I go in the bathroom there, and, you know, your hair's all messed up, and you got fog coming out your mouth. I walk in and go, look at you. Mm. When God made you, he said, it is good. See, and, and negative people get mad at you when you, you do that. Oh, look at that, arrogant. No, I'm just happy that when God looked, he said, uh-huh, I made another one. <laughs> you just got to get happy. Why would you not be happy? You're not happy because somebody else is happy. Have you ever been around people like that? That when you get happy, they unhappy because they can't be happy because they hadn't figured it out yet. So when you get all happy, they get all angry. Oh, look at them. Look at them. And then you start moving in that direction because you don't like them criticizing you, saying you think you're all of that. And you go, yeah, and so does God. That will really irritate them. If you want people to leave your house early, you got two choices. Either talk like that or put on a Speedo. 
Those two things will get people out your house quick. <laughs> Whoever invented Speedo, they're going to hell. I mean, nobody looking good in those, man. I don't care what they think. They ain't looking good, and if they do, hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so today we're talking about vision. That's why I started the way I did. Listen, here's the deal. Vision doesn't just happen. Vision is created by a decision or a choice that we make in our minds. When God looked down upon earth and created mankind, he did it because he saw it needed to happen. He wanted fellowship, and he said, in order for me to have fellowship, I'm going to have to create man in my image and my likeness. Men did not pop up. I have never been a tadpole. I did not evolve. I was handcrafted by the hands of the creator of heaven and earth. I did not grow up in a neighborhood that would afford me the privilege to stand on any stage. Matter of fact, neighborhood I grew up in, the, the pose would have been something like this. Y'all are really way too good of people to be here, aren't you? I like the crowd that goes, yeah, I took one of those shots. Number. Okay, anyway. Oh, yeah, I get it. The last time you did anything bad, you were in the nursery and took milk from a baby your age. So we have a choice to make. To create the life that we want, we have to design it. Your parents can't. Your neighborhood can't. Though most people allow those people and that environment to determine their future. You were told this is as good as it gets. We grew up in this kind of neighborhood. And, and this is as good as it gets for us. And you bought that lie, saying, well, you know, I, if I could just live up to the level of my mommy and daddy, they were good people, and I admired them, and I respect them, that's great. But you were created, even though you came out of your mama's womb, you have different fingerprints and thumbprints, nothing like your mommy and daddy. And thank God that they gave birth to you, but they did not give life to you. The life of God was infused in you the moment you came into that womb, you were conceived and came out. You were born and designed by God to do something very unique with your life. Oftentimes we measure what we do by what our parents did, what our brothers do, what our teachers told us we could and could not do. Trust me, I was not encouraged to go to college. What does that help you? In the 20% of the class that made the upper 80% possible, does that help you? I didn't even know the valedictorian, and I graduated with 54 people. <laughs> so in my life, I had to get a vision for me. I could have said, well, here's what the teacher said. Remember the aptitude test? Do they do those anymore, or does that just make everybody feel bad? <laughs> when I played ball, first, second, and third got a trophy. If you were in 10th place, they looked at you and said, you suck. You say, oh, that's just this is so terrible. No, we went, we did. I played on the, a football team in junior high school where we were everybody's homecoming. 
It was a guaranteed win for them. It's like, hey, let's play them. I mean, at the end of the year, student body at other schools are going, we're going to have homecoming? Yeah, when we play that team. It's because they could go home and celebrate. You get this stuff in your head that this is as good as it gets. I have been handed this life. You've got to play the cards you've been dealt. No, no, no. God decided to break out a new set of cards, and they play in your favor. You don't have to play the hand that you've been dealt. Lay it down and ask God for another hand if that hand is not going to work with the DNA that you have inside you that there's something better. I determined in my life, and I love my parents. I had great parents, grew up in a very lower middle class area of, of outside of Tulsa. And they did the best they could, but my dad had this in mind. Son, I'm going to teach you to survive. And I'm telling you, he did teach me to survive. But you know what? I didn't feel like I was born to survive. I felt like I was born to thrive. That there was more to life than what I was experiencing. And I could sit around my whole life and blame God for giving birth, giving me birth into that family. I could blame my mom and dad for not having bigger dreams and, and greater desires. Or I could determine that my life is my responsibility. That I have a choice of where I'm going to be and how I'm going to live my life. So I do talk to myself. There are times I'm having a tough day. I just look in the mirror and go, I am richly blessed. I am highly favored. I am empowered to prosper. I walk in divine health. I'm going from victory to victory and glory to glory. And I know y'all praying for me. And that means my life's even going to get better. Now, see, you're in, you think this guy's crazy. I'm not crazy. I used to be crazy, but now I'm not. But then religious people think you're crazy when you talk like this. Listen, man, if you got a business, you need to get up every day. And they say, nobody do it the way I do. It's not about the size of the company. It's about the size of your vision that creates the company you want. <laughs> Two of you go, okay. <laughs> Wesley used to say, just... <laughs> You can get a crowd. If you just show up on fire, they'll come and watch you burn. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I am lit up because let me tell you something. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Out of 193 nations in the world, 173 nations, Christians are being given, are, conversions are, are changing people's lives, and, and the conversion rate to Christianity is higher than the birth rate in those nations. In other words, there's a move of God in those nations, 173. But 20 of those nations were losing, and America is one of those nations, and I live in America, and I am not losing. We're going to turn the tide, and we're going to be a nation that's giving birth to Christians at a more rapid rate than we are children. How can the greatest nation on earth be mediocre? Because we've fallen prey to listening to all CNN, CNBC, Fox, and, and we're listening to the news of the world instead of reading the good news and saying, I'm created in the image and likeness of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? I may fall down, but I get up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. We all have choices to make. Three and a half years ago, I had a big choice to make. Do I stay down? Do I disappear? Is my voice going to remain silent? And I thought, I would rather dishonor seven billion people on earth than dishonor the one who created me in his image and his likeness. 
We've got fragmented people, more mental disorders and emotional disorders than we've ever had. And the reason is, is the body of Christ has quit talking with confidence and we've started mimicking the words of the world instead of saying, if God be for me, who can be against me? Bring it on, devil. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. All the voices in this world are not going to silence me. you got to shoot me first. And then I will probably rise up anyway. I'm probably one of those guys going to live to be about 120. Can you imagine being that old? 120. You have no friends. They're all dead. When's the last time you heard somebody call a 120-year-old and, hey, you want to go party? I mean, at 120, nobody wants to hang out with you. They're afraid they're going to be there when you die. I just have a vision of being happy as long as I'm alive. And I will probably live longer than most of you. I will. I will. It's going to live a long time. I don't know why. I just want to irritate people. I'm going to go to all their funerals and look and go, ha, 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 ha. I go to the, by the caskets, and I'm still here. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Don't get mad at me. See, religious people, oh, my God. We don't laugh enough. Laughter is good medicine. And, you know, sometimes you just take life too serious. I believe the joy of the Lord is my strength. He didn't say the sadness of God. <laughs> I mean, religious people say, you just can't be that happy. I have to be that happy. I don't want to be depressed. When's the last time you had somebody invite you over? Well, you know, come and eat with us. We're going to have bad food and talk about how horrible the world is. <laughs> Love to have you in attendance. I mean, that's a lot of the reasons people are sick and depressed and downcast. Is you're not talking to yourself. You're not talking to yourself. You're not building yourself up in the Lord. You're not, you're not looking and saying, I just cannot believe how much God loves me. I know for a fact that I'm his favorite child. And then you start trying to do the math, and, and you figure out there are ten people he likes better than you. <laughs> and then you just quit. There's nobody that God likes better than me. I know that you want to argue that point, but we will argue until he comes back. I am not giving up my space as number one in the eyes of God. And you shouldn't either. That's the beauty of life is we get to design our life. And vision is creative. Think about it. God looked upon this globe that we call earth, this sphere. And, and he, he said, you know what? I think I want to make something wonderful out of this. It was dark. It was void. It was nothing. And, and God had this vision before he ever spoke and, and, and said, let there be light and let there be water and let there be this. And God said, let it be. I believe, therefore I speak. And you have to start declaring what you have in you with your mouth and let it come out and start designing your life. Nothing is impossible with God. Look at that which looks improbable. Start there. Look at the improbable. It's unlikely this could ever happen. I'm thinking, I'll figure out a way. If it's in you, you'll figure out a way. You get creative. There was a man who was having a midlife experience. I know what sad people call it, a midlife crisis. I've never had one. I've had a midlife experience. But, and so this man's having a midlife experience. So he goes out and buys a Corvette. 
and it's just beautiful, it's fast, and he's, you know, he's got the top down one day, and he's just driving along, and he's not even paying attention, and all of a sudden he passes a state trooper, and he's speeding, and the state trooper hits his lights, and he looks up in the mirror, and out of fear, just in that moment, rather than hitting the brake, he accelerates. He's like, oh, he gets over 100, and he goes, oh, what am I doing? I'm old enough to know better than this, and the trooper knows that. So he, he pulls off to the right, trooper comes up, says, sir, you know what you were doing. Isn't it funny how cops always ask you, do you know what, you know what I stopped you for? Uh, I don't know, maybe you wanted a piece of gum, I'm not sure. I can help you out here, you like spearmint? Okay, I got you. I think that's the dumbest question in the world. You know why I stopped you? I'm an ex-con running from the law, I don't know, I mean... So the cop says, you know, you know why I stopped you? The trooper says, why is I, you know, I, you know officer, I was, I was speeding. He said, look, the trooper looked at him and said, look, it's 4.30, it's Friday, Friday evening, it's a beautiful night. He said, I'm about to go off my shift. He said, I'll tell you what, if you can tell me a story as to why you were speeding that I've never heard before, I'm going to let you go. Vision and creativity, the, the driver of the Corvette looked at him and said, well, sir, about 20 years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. I thought you were bringing her back. <laughs> the trooper looked at him and said, have a good weekend. <laughs> Vision! Vision! Creativity will set you free. Turn your Bibles now. Hold it. Whoop, bring it in. <laughs> Mark, the greatest book in the Bible, Mark, chapter 11, verses 22, 23, 24, and 25 out of the Message Bible, says Jesus was, matter of fact, embrace this God life, Really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for, your, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No sh shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. In other words, there's some declaring, some action that takes place. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sin. The challenge is that we often take on the position or the posture or the attitude of people who uh, apparently don't like us. It, it's, and they begin to frame our opinion of ourselves because you've heard their opinion of you. You hear what I'm saying? So their words begin to frame an opinion of you that doesn't fit you. And they call you names. They call you things. They say what you'll never become. Maybe a school teacher told you that. Maybe a grandparent, an aunt, or an uncle told you that our family never has anything good. Nobody ever does anything right. We are the family that God forgot about when he put us on earth. And you've heard that your whole life. And that opinion has become your opinion. 
that has shaped your life. Your, your decisions have been shaped by an opinion of you that doesn't line up with God's opinion of you. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the apple of God's eye. God made you by design. You are not an accident, no matter what anybody said to you. You are put here by the hand of God, every one of us. And that we have to guard our hearts, the Bible says, for out of our hearts flow the issues of life. So whatever comes in your heart has the opportunity to come out of you. And when it comes out of you, you're painting the picture of your life. That's the reason I talk to myself. You know what? If somebody's going to talk about you, you better talk to you. I had enough talking about me that I had to start talking more to me. I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm going to tell you something. I am full of God. I'm not toxic. I am full of the Holy Ghost. I am holy in the eyes of God and righteous of God through Christ. That's who I am. Not by my works. I can't boast, but through Him. You have to start declaring who He made you and how He forgives you and how grace abounds in your life because sin seems to have a hold on your life. It says grace will abound more. Three life rules. Get these down if you don't get anything else, and then I'll give you about 20 other things to write down. (laughs) If you don't go after what you want, you will never have it. If you don't go after what you want, you will never have it. I could not sit back and wish that I would have another church. I couldn't sit back and wait on another church. God said, if you want another church and I want you to have one, you better go after it. And so I went after it, found out why I'm back, all you silly people that were praying. Thank you. I am grateful for you when I say that. There's a little levity there. Because some people tell, oh, my God, did you really mean that? No, I didn't mean it. I'm just having fun. But when I look and I go, okay, if you want something, go after it. It doesn't just pop up. Even God looked at this earth when it was empty and, and void, and he spoke into it. He put his eyes on it. He gave his attention to it. And he put his words with it. And it came to be. We believe, therefore we speak. He told Thomas, Thomas said, after Thomas stuck his finger in in the side of Jesus and saw it was really Jesus, and he believed, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. It's turning the invisible into something visible. If you can't see the invisible, you won't experience the impossible. We have to believe that which we've not seen yet. Secondly, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. You have not because you ask not. James said, you have not because you ask not. And of course, asking with the right motives is critical. The only reason I ask God to be with me is because I cannot do anything without him. It is impossible for me to have any joy or peace or success. The Bible says if we'll keep our mind on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. It requires God. If I want to have joy, I have to stay in his presence, for in the presence, his presence is fullness of joy. So when I ask him, I have to step into him. I have to believe. I have to declare those things. I mean, sometimes you look at happy people and you think they were just born happy. Nobody is born happy. I mean, when you're young, you, 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 your, your body's out of proportion, your torso doesn't match your legs, you got pimples. <laughs> then when you get older, you've never had black hair in your life and it starts growing out your ears. 
Dear Jesus, I want an answer for that one. (laughs) Then you wonder if your ears are ever going to stop growing and I don't think so. I just think they grow. When Oral Roberts died, I was at, I was at his house just shortly before he died. And, and I, th- I looked at his ears and I thought, he, he's got basset hound blood. I mean, there was like. <laughs> and I thought, is that going to happen to me? And I thought, probably is. Number three, if you don't step forward, you will always be in the same place. If you don't step forward, you will always be in the same place. So vision gives us faith for things that are lost in our lives. Vision will bring to surface lost things. You've been through divorce and you say, I'll never love again. And it is difficult. I've been through one. And it's very challenging to know what to do with your life after that's all you've ever known. And all of a sudden you go, will anybody ever be able to love me again? Anybody ever been there? Two of us, thank you. (laughs) And you look and you go, is that ever even possible? And, And if you're not careful, you'll begin to believe that for some reason, you're tagged, you're marked, you're whatever you are, and you, you begin to buy into that and still you, instead of saying, you know what, God promised me he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I have to declare those words in my mind going, my God before me who can be against me, I am going to experience life and life more abundantly. It's a declaration. God brings those things back to the surface. You remember the story of Elisha? 2 Kings chapter 6, they were building a a church, expanding their church, and a a guy's out swinging an axe, and all of a sudden it's a borrowed axe, and the axe head comes off, and because it was borrowed, he's like, it's it's in the water, he can't can't see it, he doesn't know where it is. He calls Elisha over and said, I was swinging the axe, I'm trying to build the church, I'm trying to build something for the kingdom of God, and this is a borrowed axe. Now, I didn't go back to find out why it was so important, because I'm thinking, just go to Ace Hardware, buy another one, then I went, oh, they didn't have Ace back then. So anyway, he's thinking, what do I do to get this axe head? It wasn't mine. So Elisha comes over and says, where, where, did, where did it go off? He said, right there. He threw a stick, and then to the surface came this iron axe head. I don't know what your axe head is today, but if it was like mine, mine had sunk. I needed some prophetic word or utterance from the Holy Spirit and said, God, it's lost right there. He said, I'm bringing it back to the surface. I haven't forgotten you. Put it back on, sharpen it, and go back to work. But the world wants to set the temperature of your life and determine how you're going to live the rest of your life because of what you've done. You've done something stupid. We have people in this church who have been incarcerated. You're out of prison and and you walk around and you feel like everybody looks at you like you're an ex-convict. Let me tell you something. You are a redeemed child of God. If you're born again, you no longer wear the number that you wore in prison. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You will not get to your future by focusing on your past. And the only reason you will end up at the end of your life where you end up is because of the choices you made and maybe the voices you listened to that fed the choices that you made. I don't sit around and listen to people talk negative. I cannot do negative. I get nauseous. You watch way too much CNN, CNBC, Fox News, and I know some of you think Fox News is run by Jesus. 
But they run in cycles telling us how bad the world is. And if we would quit feeding the badness and start talking about the goodness, good things would start happening. I would challenge the news network for one month to run nothing but positive news. And I promise you, if it started happening, it would get so much attention and so, much, so many would watch it that other news stations would begin changing their format. But they feed us bad news because fear and terror, is, it restricts the purpose and vision of God. I've been invited to do a conference in a country that is fairly dangerous. I've been invited to be over there next year. People say, why would you go? Why wouldn't I go? But you could be killed. I'm going to die somewhere. Why, why would we live our whole lives trying to preserve the abundant life that Christ called us to live? I don't care where I die. I don't even care when I die. Why? Because I'm not afraid of dying. I just want you all just to just speak real nice to me over the casket when you walk by. I believe God will let me wake up long enough to hear the worst person that hated him. I guess, oh, you were such a good man. Liar! Would that freak him out? Oh, my God. It's a choice that we make to design our lives by the vision of our own DNA, not the vision of mom, dad, guidance counselor. You'll never amount to anything. Your intellect is not enough. You're not capable. You're not able. If you listen to those words, you will live where they told you to live and do what they told you to do. It's not in defiance to their opinion that keeps you there. It's a lack of obedience to his opinion. When you, when you defy theirs and you obey his, you end up in the right place. Just about everybody in the world would have been satisfied if I would have gone to Arkansas or Texas or anywhere else. But God said, Oklahoma City. And I said, say what? And I'm absolutely convinced that I could not succeed anywhere except where he put me. My only hope is being where he's called me to be, doing what he's called me to do. It's my only hope in life. I, I can't do anything I want to do. My mom said I could. Remember your mom telling you, you can be anything you want to be. You do not want me in the aerospace industry. <laughs> America would fail miserably. I don't know how well they're doing me doing this, but I'm having fun. Anyway, so vision helps us to see that which was lost brought back to our lives. I love this, this quote in Iron Man 3. And I don't know how, if any of you are all in, into Iron Man. I'm into Iron Man. I love Iron Man. If I could be any superhero, I'd be Iron Man. I, I just love the suit. And you know I love clothes, and I think he's the coolest looking guy out there. Because let's face it, to wear Thor's costume, you can't have any of this <laughs> It's just hopeless. <laughs> so the steel covers this up and makes you look like this. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be Iron Man. Okay. <laughs> so if any of you want to buy Iron Man suit for me, anyway. Um, <laughs> he said this in Iron Man 3. You can take away my house, my tricks, and my toys, but there is one thing that you can't take away. I am Iron Man. You can take away whatever you want. I am Mark Anthony Crow. 
I'm okay with that today. There was a time I wasn't okay with that. I used to watch other preachers that tried to emulate them and wear the clothes they wore. I was not born for wingtips. Some of you don't even know. Have you ever seen wingtip shoes? And with any luck, three of you will have the pair on today. They didn't work for me. I like flashy. I do. I like, it's like, I like Iron Man. Okay, there I am. It really doesn't mount to much, but it comforts you to know I have notes. Vision gives us faith for lost things to surface. Vision strengthens us to do something for the first time. Maybe, maybe God's asked you to do something that's never been done in your world, in your life, in your family. Maybe you're not, you know, maybe it's not that you, you invent something, but the fact is that you would do anything different than what you were told you could do when you were brought up. Maybe it's the first time. In my family, I was the first person to get an undergrad degree, very first. Now, I come from a very large family. So it may not sound like too much to you if you're an only child or you have two cousins. I have 30. And so for me to get a, a bachelor's degree and then get a master's degree was nothing short of miraculous considering <laughs> I was in the 20% of the class that made the upper 80% possible in my class. As I stated, I wasn't the guy that was going to you know, get a scholarship. As a matter of fact, I was barely the guy who was going to get an acceptance letter but fought through it and decided I can do this, even though I'd had no pattern for getting a degree. I had no one telling me how this worked. Uh, my first class scared me to death. I went in, and the, the professor just started talking. I thought, well, we used to at least get to know each other first. And they start writing on the board, and I'm like, <laughs> I was lost with the first chalk stroke. Now, I know this generation will chalk. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> You guys are all electronic. You know, they had chalk back then. I was in the generation that introduced the dry erase board. Anyway, so <laughs> you don't even know what that is. It's frightening. So Noah finds himself doing one of those things. A first, you have to have a vision. God begins to tell him what to do. Build a boat. Why build a boat? never rained in, in history. Noah has no reason to think, why do I need to build a boat? God said, build a boat. Because God was unhappy with what was going on in the earth, and he was going to start over, dry race. And so he asked Noah to build a boat. He called it the USS Latrine. <laughs> need help, Brian. We were in a nightclub and all of you were half drunk. That, that joke would have left you on the floor. Most comedians aren't funny. You ever listen to a comedian when you weren't drunk? Well, I mean, we're not. But I mean, you know, I, there was a day. Uh, <laughs> they're only funny because everybody's drunk. I listen to comedians now and I'm going, that's funny. You know, and everybody's losing their mind. I'm going, why are you losing your mind? Because they're drunk. I have to do this with everybody. Well, 80% of you sober. This is Mosaic Church. Okay, 95%. All right. But Noah is commissioned by God, so he has to have a vision for something that's never been done before. How many of you know that most of the time we wait for somebody else to show us what to do? 
and we don't step out of the boat. Nobody had ever walked on water when Peter stepped out of the boat. To my knowledge, to this day, nobody else has ever walked on water. But Peter did something that he had never seen done before because he had a passion to get to Jesus and see if that was in fact Jesus. It's no different than us when God says do something. If you have a passion to connect with Jesus, your vision will be greater than the obstacle in front of you. And it takes vision and creativity to do that. To believe that God would meet you at your first step. I've been doing church a long time, and when I built the first church, I remember these words. As I was praying one day, going, there was tension between giving and hiring. At what point in a nonprofit organization do you hire an employee? First thought would be, well, you hire an employee when you have the money to hire the employee. And there's some truth to that, but not total truth. And then one day I realized that faith means this. You, you hire for growth, not because of growth. In other words, you have to put your first foot down out of that boat to say it's time. We believe that God has more for us than what we have here right now. So we hire for growth. And I'm a little older now than I used to be. I mean, you know, being over 50 is, is a challenge. Okay, 55. I am, it's true. I'm just going to go back to my old theory, tell everybody I'm 85, and they'll say, you really look good for your age. <laughs> so, you have to see that sometimes God will ask you to do something that you've never seen done before. It doesn't mean it hasn't been done. You've just never seen it done before. Prior to planting this church, I had never been a part of a church plant the first church. And so when I started to plant this one, I thought, you know, no man ought to ever have to plant two churches in a lifetime. Once is plenty. But when God said do it again, I thought, I've never seen this happen either with any success. So I had to get my vision and my faith out that God blesses obedience. He doesn't bless perfection. I was never perfect at my first church, and I'm not perfect at this one. And guess what? I'm okay with that because ain't one of y'all perfect either. So we've got a bunch of people that are imperfect. And you know what? We need to throw away all of our sin meters. You know what a sin meter is, don't you? Measuring everybody's sin against your own. And trying to somehow satisfy the fact that your sin is less than somebody else's. You know what? Sin meters don't work. Some of y'all go, okay, I'm going to go home and throw mine away. Okay. <laughs> then lastly, vision, vision's voice silences all other voices. When you hear it can't be done, it's impossible, vision will silence those voices. You remember Samballat and Tobiah, Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? And, and the, it says that the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, this is in Nehemiah chapter 4, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Nehemiah is up against a different wall 
because the voices of Sanballat and Tobiah were being heard by his workers and they were getting fatigued. What you listen to will be either bring energy to your life or discouragement to your soul. Whatever you listen to will either inspire you or scare you. You have to listen to the right voices in order to make the right choices. Look, I can give you more reasons not to be here than anybody who talks about me can give you because I know me better than anybody. And I know what's said about Mark Crow, but I know what God says about Mark Crow. And when I know that, I just look and say, if you believe somebody else, look, you want to, I can give you worse stories than anybody can give you about me because I know me. But I can tell you the greatest story ever told, that God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, Mark Crow, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that, son, my gifts and callings on your life are irrevocable. I will not take them back. And when I hear those words, all the words of the negative people, I look and say, you know what? His words trump your words. I hear his voice because I have vision, and your voice is silenced by the vision's voice that God has placed in my life. You have to let vision rise up in you. You'll never be promoted. You hear those words. You're never going to make it in this company. You're going to be the first to be laid off. And you have to fight those words and say, you know what? God planted me here. No man can uproot me. This is where I'm supposed to be. I walk in obedience to God. And I'm not going anywhere except where that voice tells me to go. I remember when... when. Uh, Caleb is standing in the midst of the people and, and they had come out of Egypt and they'd made it almost into the promised land. They got so close that they went in. God sent them in to spy out the land that he called the promised land. The land that was filled and flowing with milk and honey. This beautiful place. And, and the spies go in and they begin looking at the grapes that are so large they had to be carried on poles. And, and they see the beauty and the lushness of the land. And yet they come back. And the voices the voices and the size of the people in the land and the voices of Egypt begin to play once again in their soul. And finally, the Bible says, Caleb silenced the crowd. He said, I've heard enough. I've heard the voice of God. And he said, there is a land for my people flowing with milk and honey. And if you will go there, I will give it to you and you will possess it because you're my people. Those are the voices that you need to listen to. That nothing is impossible in your situation. Your footsteps are ordered by God. That no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises up against you will be refuted. Those are the words you have to declare. I will get up in the morning having shouted and yelled and preached. And every demon in hell is sitting in my prayer chair waiting on me to get up to see how I will respond. You said this. Who do you think you are? What do you think people think? Oh, on Facebook they said this about you. Facebook is not my book. God's book is my book. Happy, happy, happy are the people whose God is Lord. And I shall fly away. Oh, glory. I will fly away. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm warning you. 
sure you want to go? <laughs> Jesus and I will golf together, laugh together. In heaven, my ball will float in the water. <laughs> Throw a stick on top of it, raise it to the surface, and tee. What a great combination, huh? Walking on the water. Uh, anyway, that just thought just came to me. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to close. <laughs> Baptists have not left the restaurant yet, so you're good. (laughs) Pursuing your dreams is living a few years of your life like most people won't. So that you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't. Pursuing your dreams and vision is living a few years of your life like most people won't. So that you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. There's a sacrifice that has to be made. To carry out vision. I wish it was a one step process. But it's not. We've been a church now for about 18 months. And you know. We've gone through all the things that churches go through. But we're not quitting. I will see this auditorium filled. Three times minimum. I will see God in this place. I will see drug addicts. No longer drug addicts. I will see the depressed find joy. The lost find Jesus. The downcast lifted up. That's what we stand for. We're going to fight for that with everything in us. I don't have time to listen to all the other stuff because the other stuff doesn't matter. What matters is your life. Jesus didn't die for a thing. He died for people. That's you and me. And so we have to fight Because the one thing the devil wants to take from you and me is the the gift of life that God has given to us. I'm not going to exist. I'm going to live. I'm not going to get by. I'm going to thrive. You're going to get more than you've ever thought, more than you could ever imagine. According to Ephesians 3.20, God will do more than you could think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in you. The power that works in you is the word of God that comes out of your mouth. Let that power happen this week. Don't talk about people. Talk to God. When people come to you with negativity, turn it to positive. Because I'm going to tell you, there's enough negative in the world without your voice or mine. We've got to turn this thing around. And the way we turn it around is not by being brilliant, but by being loving people who encourage one another as long as it's called today. Father, thank you so much that you are an encouragement to us. I thank you for all the wonderful people here watching online, Facebook Live, and wherever they might be watching, God. I pray that this message will breathe life into them. They would begin to see with the eyes of their spirit in greater ways, in greater measure, and be moved by your spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple prayer that gives you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. It's not your performance, it's believing in his performance and he performed perfectly. He hung on the cross for the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. Put in the grave, the third day he rose again like he said he would. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and today he's making intercession. That means standing in the gap for you and me. And he's calling you today, he's wooing you, he's wanting you. And people have told you, you're not good enough. You've got to change everything in your life. We don't change to get born again. We get born again so that change can happen. So I want to pray this prayer and ask all of you to pray it with me and those of you watching online. Just say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Today I repent of my sins 
and I call on that name, the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. And you said if I would do that, I would be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.